5-4-3-2-1. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to be talking about innovation today with Tom Fishburne. This is one of the best articles I can remember from Tom. Excellent, excellent. Um, navigating innovation. We tried that idea before. It'll never work. Let me play devil's advocate. If it's such a good idea, why isn't someone already doing it? Yeah, and, you know, some great companies say they don't want to be the first. They want to be about the third to get into a market because that proves the concept. And then they can invest more and leapfrog. And oftentimes, the second inventor or the the modifier of the invention is the one that makes the money. You know, I worked with Cost Corporation long ago, and um, and I'm trying to remember. Michael Cost was the president, but his dad got got started by renting renting television sets to hospitals. You know, because they didn't have a budget for putting a hospital in each or a, a TV set in each room. You know, would people get bored? And so he would sell and install the television sets with the remote, you know, the cable remote thing. I mean, it was a cable connected to the TV. We didn't have remote controls in those days. And um, the hospital would pay so much a month and it would mark it up and bill it to the patient if they, you know, if they wanted to turn it on. And it was a good business model. And later he, he met an inventor who was really good uh, with micro speakers and and i think they worked together on this but um but you know the cost corporation became a big hit in milwaukee and went on to be global i don't know if they're still around but he did way better than the inventor of those headphones and that's not unusual it's almost the most predictable path but anyway that aside, we all want to be innovators. We want to keep innovating. And so let's get to the article. Tom writes, I recently stumbled across this observation on innovation from Jer Perdesat of Microsoft. Often companies talk a good game about innovation, but when these aspirations bump up against the real politic of running corporate organizations, there's typically only one winner, the status quo. The pressure of the status quo is strong. Champions of innovation have to navigate a complex operational maze to bring ideas to life. How we run that gauntlet makes a difference in the condition of ideas at the end of the process. Now, in defense of the status quo, you know, my very first speech at the catalog conference was on inventory management or something. (laughs) And I was on with the founder of Misco Computer Supplies, and we we became friends over the years. But uh, he sold out shortly thereafter to um, to Gillette, and um, made a lot of money. But the way he got started was, I think he was working at Dell. Uh, no, no, not Dell. Could have been Wang. Could have been. You know, it was some it was some uh, big computer company, and they were they were interested in whether they could sell computer supplies. And he did lots of market research and 
published a study for the corporation and uh, said that it was a really good idea, but they really didn't want to take orders less than five or ten thousand dollars. They just weren't set up for that kind of little nickel dime stuff. And so they passed on the idea and he decided to quit his job and go raise some money. And he had one of the early computer supply catalogs and, uh, as I said, made a lot of money. Um, so, you know, the, I, I'm not sure the, 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 neither of them exist today. So, you know, you try what you can, but, uh, sometimes it's, it's tough operationally, even though you know, it's a good idea to make, to make it work, to execute it. And so, I mean, there's a lot of factors. Sometimes it's easier just to start over. Um, so one challenge in creating a culture of innovation is that the mindset needed at the earliest stages is different than the mindset required later. Idea Sandbox founder Paul Williams once shared a story that always stuck with me that Walt Disney defined three distinct stages when coming up with and refining ideas, the dreamer, the realist, and the spoiler. This is really good. As ideas moved through the process, Walt Disney would shift the rules of how to think about the ideas. In the dreamer stage, he suspended judgment. In the realist stage, he focused on execution. When in the spoiler stage, he thoroughly vetted them. Okay. As Paul Williams wrote, by compartmentalizing the stages, Walt didn't really get in the way of the dreamer step. Oh, no, Walt didn't let reality get in the way of the dreamer step. The realist was not allowed to work without the harsh filter of a spoiler. And the spoiler spends time examining a well-thought-out idea, something with a, big, with a bit more structure. You know, this is just excellent. When we brainstorm alone and in groups, too often we tend to fill the room with a dreamer or two, a few realists and a bunch of spoilers. In these conditions, dreams don't, dream ideas don't stand a chance. That is super profound. Walt even went so far as to have different physical rooms for each stage, maybe different colored walls. Using spaces specifically for each mindset required bringing the ideas, or each mindset required in bringing the ideas to life. In a culture of innovation, we need all the players, the dreamers, the realists, and the spoilers. The trick is knowing how best to use each and when. Here's a few cartoons from Tom, July 2018. Now that we've brainstormed all of these exciting new ideas, it's time to sort them. Tried it before, yes, but too risky, and if it was a good idea, someone would already be doing it. See, that was kind of his inspiration for this week's cartoon. Culture of innovation. Let's sing Kumbaya until the ideas come, and then we'll go back to our desks and come up with a hundred reasons why they'll never, ever work in a million years. Yeah, I've been in meetings like that. <laughs> they call in the consultant to, to referee. Uh, anyway, this was the best one, I thought. June 2010. 
Okay, after the brainstorm, was this the best one? No. After the brainstorm, there's you have to go through this maze with your ideas. And as you get through the maze, eventually you get around to over here and here and here. And then there's just a, the, the, the end is just a big giant no. That's a good one. Okay, here's, here's the best one. Garden of Innovation, October 2007. Look, at there's a beautiful little, it looks like an apple tree, and they're planting it in the middle of the garden, and then there's about 100 people, and they all have basically big pruning shears or lawnmowers or other, other uh, instruments to rip apart and mow down this idea, the Garden of Innovation. Pretty good, huh? That's what he called it, Brand Camp. Anyway, thanks so much for that, Tom. Um, I'm sharing this week, I'm sharing a little bit of an innovation and it wasn't really my idea, but I put a lot of, a lot of thought and anxiety into working it out. Uh, on Friday, our power went out and the, uh, and, and there was a huge snowstorm. We had gotten about 24 inches of snow in, uh, in about five days and, Sub-zero temperatures were forecast, which they are outside right now. It's bitter cold out here. And in, in that kind of cold, if your house isn't heated, the pipes freeze and burst. And so I go through the case study of figuring out how to get my furnace running using a long extension cord and my car and a few other things. And I think you'll enjoy it. Um, but I really do like this article from Tom. And so um, thank you for that, Tom Fishberg.